Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need From Fool Global Headquarters, this is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Chris Hill. And joining me in studio this week from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Seth Jason. From Motley Fool Income Investor, James Early. And from Million Dollar Portfolio, Ron Gross. Guys, good to see you as always. Good to see you, Chris. We have got Starbucks earnings, Kellogg's earnings, and Groupon's IPO. We've got best-selling author and radio host Dave Ramsey. And as always, a few stocks on our radar. But we begin with the big macro. We will start with Greece. Uh, A chaotic week with Prime Minister Papandreou scrapping plans for the referendum vote on the bailout agreement that he had announced earlier in the week. Um, James, Good. as of this taping, it appears as though the EU bailout package is going to be approved. What do you What do you? Well, make yeah, this what? is Greece is what happens when you take a bunch of countries that can't agree on anything and try to get them to agree on a, about a country which itself can't agree on anything. Uh, so finally, Greece has agreed on something, which is to not do the referendum. Uh, and it looks like uh, Papandreou will be out. Uh, the opposition does support the EU package reluctantly, but that is huge because it looks like Greece won't be leaving the EU. And investors are going to like that certainty. Well, there was no mechanism for them to leave, so that would have been a lot to make up. To back up one step, uh, if you're late to this news, the prime minister was it? He came and he said, "Well, we're going to put this uh, austerity stuff to a vote," and the people in Greece are already really ticked off. So you ask a, a bunch of people, "Do you want your wages cut even further and your taxes to go up more?" The answer is obviously going to be no. Well, Start paying taxes in the first place. Yeah, yeah right. and and that's what threw the market into a turmoil. James's uh, takeaway there is, is sort of right. The other takeaway is that the Germans and the French and the others who loaned the Greece all this money, they, they really need to stop with the shaking their fingers. It takes two to get this kind of a debt bubble, and they made really bad loans. It's like giving a bottle of vodka and the keys to your sports car to a 15-year-old with a learner's permit and then getting <laughs> upset when they come back you know, beat up and wrecked. So it's one of those, like, what did you expect to have happen? Haircuts need to happen, and the Greeks aren't the only ones who should have to pay for this problem. The Labor Department reported 80,000 jobs were added in October. Uh, unemployment uh, ticks down slightly to 9%. Ron? Yeah. Better than nothing, yes? Better than nothing. A little less than expected. but So modest job creation in October, more importantly for me, is the upward revisions of previous months showing a nice trend. So we've got slow GDP growth, but we have growth. Mm-hmm. We have the unemployment rate coming down slowly, but jobs being created leads me to believe perhaps a double-dip recession is less on the table than it was before. I'm feeling a little better this week than in, in the previous and, and week. For those, not, for those not here in the studio, Ron has been yeah. gesticulating as he's making his points. <laughs> yeah. He really <laughs> I, believes it. Means I really, Normally he's just picking it. his nose. <laughs> um, we did, however, this week see that uh, across the seas in Germany, uh, Germany had its first rise in unemployment in 18 months. How, geez, that austerity works out great. Yes, yeah, it? it does. Um, <laughs> just getting started. How, how concerned should U.S. investors be about um, the unemployment situation in Germany? A little bit is not a problem. A, a lot could be. I don't think we'll see a correlation if it's just a minor, minor problem. But if if Europe enters a major recession, I don't see how we can avoid one ourselves. The thing to be a little more worried about is over here. If you look at the report, you see the construction and government employment down. Construction, no surprise. Uh, stimulus money for those kind, those kind of stuff is is gone. Home building, that kind of thing, hasn't come back. Uh, hiring is still okay in services and healthcare. But if you're one of those people out there who's saying cut government, cut government, cut government. That's probably going to keep continue happening, but you don't get to then also whine that the unemployment rate is going up. That's because, a very good point. Because right. that's a given. <laughs> you can't get both. No. Right. 
You're listening to Motley Fool Money. We're here every week, but for daily analysis on the latest money news, you can check out our daily podcast, Market Foolery, on iTunes. And if you want to see videos of Ron just just gesticulating, or just wildly, just not picking his nose, we have started <laughs> videotaping our podcast and our weekly radio show. You can check all of that out at fooltv.com. It's a rare treat. Uh, Groupon. <laughs> Finally went public what? Friday morning. The company raised seven hundred million from the IPO uh, <laughs> of a thirteen a billion, billion dollar just ain't what it used to be. Shares started out at twenty and before noon had spiked up as much as fifty percent. Seth, you, you the lone coupon maybe fan maybe. I, I was going to say you going to you going to buy some shares. A lot of funky news out this week. There were p- pictures floating around the internet of uh, is it Andrew Mason, the CEO, yeah. uh, doing yoga naked or not naked in his underpants, oh, underpants. in front of a Christmas tree. That that all made me like him more, and the fact he would spread. So you enjoyed like, the photo. What would I make him like you like yeah. you like he, him he's, less? He's so weird. I decided I liked him a little bit better. <laughs> Groupon, the financials. There's some stuff actually to like there, despite the fact even if you take away that kind of fake revenue that they're reporting before and yep. do the revenue minus the cost, it's still growing really quickly. The, the gross billings and a lot of their expenses seem to be shrinking. The, the question for all investors is whether this happens quickly enough and whether the growth continues. And that's the thing I'm most skeptical about. If you look at their subscriber numbers, already 142 million email addresses. They've got probably more by now. I mean, that's, that's half of America, right? Can that keep going? Uh, I don't really know. So people are betting on 40%-ish growth here, I think, for a long, long time, and I'm not sure it comes. Right. I, I feel like there's a business here somewhere. You know, pe- <laughs> people like these coupons and, and and really want to use them, and they certainly have meaningful revenue that'll do over a billion dollars uh, yeah. over the next twelve months. But a thirteen billion dollar valuation at the IPO, and of yeah. course, you just said it was fifty percent higher. Perhaps I don't I don't get there. I, I can't get there and, unless a billion dollars isn't what it used to be. Bigger uh, than Whole Foods yeah. right now. Market yeah, I, I just don't right? see it. James? It's reassuring to see that Americans haven't lost good old-fashioned poor judgment when it comes to IPOs. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with Ron. I just can't see how this gets that far. It's worth something. Uh, I just don't think this much. And not only was it oversubscribed because they went above the, the range that they were going to price it at, and I believe they added additional shares that they were going to sell, mm-hmm. but then the pop after the IPO shows you that it was e- even more demand for the stock you know, than maybe that was even anticipated. Investors are just loving this. They didn't float a whole lot of the company. Right, that's true. When you look at the competitive landscape, you've got Google, obviously, in this space. Um, Living Social, which is backed by Amazon. Amazon's got like a 15-20% stake in that. Um, You've certainly got uh, a lot of local establishments uh, hitting Groupon. Um, But, Seth, I'm curious, because earlier in the week, Open Table, um, the online restaurant reservation business, uh, reported their earnings. And one of the things that came out was they also announced they're backing off the daily deal business, which they had and, been in. And yeah. I'm just like, does that make and you? That is a dynamic that I can't decide if that's good or bad for Groupon. Facebook, remember, was was toying with this and mm-hmm. also backed away from its pilot project. And Yelp got out of this business too. And I think the reason is that this is a horribly expensive thing to do. When it comes down to it, this is good old fashioned uh, boiler room technology. Groupon, Groupon has 10,000 employees. They have 10,000 employees. The majority of them sit around calling people and yelling at them over the phone to, to do a Groupon, right? You got to do this. I don't know. I don't know what they sound like, but but it's, it's probably, probably not that. It's a reasonable probably, fact probably pretty aggressive. <laughs> and that's horribly expensive. So I think the, the reason some of these other businesses are backing away is not but not because uh, this is too difficult a business, but because it probably just doesn't financially make sense. Whether that means Groupon, gets everything and it makes sense for them, or whether it means they're going to flame out, I don't know. 
I want to share an email we got uh, from JT, who listens to the podcast in Amsterdam. He writes, I hear people in Amsterdam and in other locations I visit in Italy and Germany talk about deals they are getting at Groupon all the time. People are nuts for it. A woman who works with me just signed her and her friends up for a pole dancing class. And a few weeks ago... <laughs> they, they tried ha- to do that to us here in D.C. <laughs> that one was a, that was big for a long time. And- uh, a few weeks ago, they hired this party service that drives up in a World War II tank filled with cases of beer to come and ride them around in some field. Maybe it's because in the Netherlands, people are cheap as hell and things only go on sale in July and December and basically no other time. Uh, so it's just different. But just wanted to share a very small slice of perspective from Europe. Uh, I am a bit fascinated by these people in my office who are taking pole dancing classes, <laughs> renting tanks and all sorts of stuff. Discounted pole dancing. Exactly. Yeah. I guess we'll see if it has any real longevity. Though. Well, that I, is one of the questions. Intriguing. When the Wall Street Journal first talked about Facebook getting into this business, one of the reasons Facebook looked like a good competitor is that a lot of Groupon's uh, store customers were unsatisfied with the targeting they were getting, and they felt like Groupon was only a good way to sort of make a splash and get your name out a single time. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a repeat business type situation, and they thought Facebook was much better at consistently getting their ads in front of people who were likely to take it, whereas they thought the Groupon users were just sort of these uh, mercenaries who were going to show up, scuttle off, and never return to the business. We're wrapping up uh, 2011 with uh, a bunch of companies going public, and and some of the more notable ones, for better or for worse, are the internet-based ones. Um, so if I were didn't course, notice, really? Oh really? yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so if I were just to uh, open I'm, table, I'm not suggesting other. you have to buy them. I'm going to give I'm going to give you shares of an internet IPO from this year, and in in three years, which one do you think is is worth the most? Which um, no, which shares wow. do we keep? Is you, the question. Yeah, Groupon, LinkedIn. Pandora or Zillow? Which which are the ones that you think these are going to serve me the best as an investor three years from now? You're killing me. I know I am. You're a value guy. <laughs> You're and you hate killing this. me. It's free but something. I want to say LinkedIn because they're actually profitable and they've yep. been, they they've been profitable for a while and they've just actually beat, beat estimates the last quarter. You've been following it pretty closely um, for someone who doesn't <laughs> hate. You know, it comes like across these, the screen. Yeah. I read it. Uh, I think Groupon does. Have, I mean, not after today's pop. We'll see if that that comes down. I'd have no interest um, here. You're, you're, for, you're forcing me for an answer. LinkedIn. I'm going LinkedIn. You're going LinkedIn. Resources are revenue and profitable. James, I'm going to go with LinkedIn for the reasons Ron espoused. It is. It does have free cash flow, and that's enough for me. So they both give the wrong answer. The wrong answer. You're getting this stuff for free, so there's no downside. So you pick the one that has the potential for the biggest bang in the next three years, and that's if Groupon keeps going. And if it doesn't, which I think is also a big probability, you don't lose anything. (laughs) Okay, right? We'll we'll lock it down. We'll visit it again in three years. Asymmetry, right? Coming up, Bank of America faced off against a part-time nanny, and Bank of America lost. Details coming up. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here in the studio with Seth Jason, James Early, and Ron Gross. Shares of Starbucks up on Friday after some strong earnings. Uh, Ron, 10% same-store sales growth. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive considering the economy we're in, isn't it? Boy, they are getting it done, which kills me because I sold it $20 ago. Um, <laughs> results better than expected. Raised the dividend 31%. Increased the share buyback program. Increasing stores in China. They've got 17,000 stores now. They've got the... 
the K cups. They got via or via, depending on how you really and truly pronounce it. How do you so, pronounce it yourself? I via, I would okay, say, okay. but is it if they they t- pretending to have Italian names for stuff? So it'd be via. <laughs> okay. And and just I mean, in yeah. the interest of transparency, right. we we made fun of via the, the we instant coffee. Yeah. We yeah. totally made fun of the instant coffee when it came out, and it's been big for them. They are really, as I like to say, firing, firing on all, all cylinders. cylinders. Yes, uh, stocks thirteen times EBITDA. It's not crazy. Um, what are they? 25, 26 times earnings. Yep. Still not crazy, especially they have a lot of growth in front of them, especially overseas. Or not do, too or bad. Do they? How is their domestic growth? Though is that it seems like most sales are growth strong? Is, yeah, but but most, judged by the coffee breath in this office, it is pretty good. <laughs> they opened up 130 stores. Wow. Um, in the U.S. Wow. Uh, recently. Wow. When you look at the competitive landscape, I mean, Green Mountain Coffee Roaster seems to be sort of a different animal with the with the and maybe si- according to some sort. of the short sellers out there, possibly a fraudulent animal. They're saying not us. <laughs> they, That's yeah, what they're saying. It's not us. We're not saying. It. Um, and then my beloved Dunkin' Donuts, which frankly, as a relatively young public company, really seems to be um, having a few bumps in the road in terms of, like, what what is... Dunkin' Donuts is like a slum in it thing. You have to have kind of a, a you have to be sort of anti-Starbucks to really don't get you temper your expectations. And, and Starbucks has pricing power, which I don't think Dunkin' Donuts necessarily has. Coffee costs are rising, yep. um, and Starbucks can do things about that. I'm not sure. I think Dunkin' Donuts gets hurt more, gets hurt more by that. So, what is Keeping CEO Howard Schultz up at night. What is, what is the threat? There? Is the threat how to spend his money? Basically, its own <laughs> is is Starbucks its own not worst enemy, but is it all about whether or not they uh, fall into complacency? I don't know about complacency. When you expand overseas and you go into new markets, there's always a lot yeah. to learn, and there's always some missteps yeah. there, and and. It's inevitable, but you you know, ki- yeah. if they can mitigate those mistakes, I think they'll be in good shape. You're not just going into China like you were in the States. You're not just going into some small town in Missouri or a medium town mm-hmm. and giving them an improved cup of coffee. You've got to convince everyone in China that they want coffee in the first place, and that's not an easy thing to do. We saw earlier in the week uh, Whole Foods reported earnings, um, also uh, another company sort of uh, more appealing to the, the high end. The 1%. <laughs> right? Um, I'm loving it, baby. I mean, they're like James, Mr. Whole Foods 1%. <laughs> well, as we've talked about before, the bifurcated economy, these are two companies that are really sort of um, excelling despite the, the sluggish economy that we're in. Um, are, are there other companies that you think are sort of in that same category where they're maybe not immune, but immune ish? Uh, to the economy that we're in. Well, we've seen a lot of them over the past several months. That you know, you've got your uh, your watch company, so Movado. You've got companies like Coach and Tiffany and Hermes. many others that yeah, just, Hermes. just, continue, Hermes. To, Hermes. They yeah. just yeah. continue to do pretty well. Time for something I'm calling this week in retailers. I don't want my middle school daughter shopping at uh, Abercrombie and Fitch and Aeropostale, <laughs> both reporting sales numbers. Um, shares of Abercrombie down after some declining same-store sales numbers. Uh, but Seth, Aeropostale, which I think is one of your favorites, uh, up after the company, they raised their sales guidance, didn't they? Well, Abercrombie, let's hit that first because that's pretty interesting. I've got comp store sales up slightly. Uh, what they said that seems to have spooked the market is that same-store sales for the quarter reflected an acceleration in the trend for U.S. chain stores. Sounds pretty good, huh? Sounds good. But more than offset by a slowing trend in Europe, including negative comps for flagship stores, Japan and Canada also continue to comp negatively. I read that whole thing, even though it's boring, because it's very important. Investors in Abercrombie are, are banking on a little bit of international growth. They haven't done a lot of international expansion. Started with these flagship stores, which are big stores in big cities designed to kind of get an area excited about your brand. If you're doing negative comps at a store like that, 
that's scary, scary for investors. And not doing well in Japan and Canada, two countries probably more open to this American teenager look than mm. other com- uh, countries, probably also scary. I think that's what sent the shares down. Aeropostal simply said that, hey, uh, we're, our results are going to suck a, a little bit less than we thought. Gross <laughs> margin is not going to be as bad as we thought, so we think we're going to earn, what was it, uh, 27 cents a stare, share instead of, you know, 12 cents a share or something like that. Uh, so that's about it. By the way, wouldn't that be great if that's what the company actually said? If they actually came out and said, yeah, it's, it's not going to suck as much. Well, the reason we have it in M- Hidden Gems and MDP yeah. is, is, is because we said if it just sucked less, the stock price will go Plus, up. Plus, they sell similar products to Abercrombie and American Eagle, but they sell them more cheaply. Um, they're much lower priced. So, in a weak uh, economy, even in the Great Recession, they did quite well. So, uh, you know, we like it for that reason as well. As we head into uh, the holidays, is there one particular retailer you think is is uh, looking particularly strong, Ron? I've always been a big fan of Nordstrom's. Uh, they just do it right. The customer service is phenomenal. Another one percenter. <laughs> what about you? I would I would you, take that too. Yeah, I'll take a little Nordstrom yeah. there. I like Amazon. I'm lazy. I'm, I'm that's, yeah, that's a good anywhere. one. Yeah, that's Amazon's a good one. Well. You're some, so bright. You find some James. good underwear to do yoga in, so Seth will like me more. <laughs> um, shares, Tidy whiteies will do it. Shares of Kellogg's down this week after weak earnings. Um, James, our colleague uh, Austin Smith, uh, pointed out that uh, among the recent missteps, a shortage of Eggo waffles. What is going on here? Ooh. Well, even worse than that, Chris. Uh, Wall Street Journal reports they cut about 1,800 people over the past few year or so, and and some of these were apparently sanitation-related jobs because Kellogg's got this FDA warning for excessive levels of bacteria in their products, which is kind of interesting because usually we love cost-cutting, but the moral of the story is you can take it too far, and they obviously did. A year ago uh, or so, they had actually closed down an ego plant because they of had flooding, issues, I believe. Yeah, they had right? some other issues. That yet. actually affected uh, my family quite, well, a, quite significantly. Oh, yeah. Yes. Really? They're also going to have soap in the bathrooms again. <laughs> uh, in the one minute we have remaining, Bank of America has killed the $5 monthly debit card fee it had previously announced. Uh, credit for the killing is going to Molly Catchpole, a 22-year-old part-time nanny who started an online petition against the fee. More than 300,000 people signed it. Um, if you're starting a petition, to uh, you know, what's what's one thing you want to rally public support to kill, Ron? Anything, any reality show that has either the word Kardashian or Housewives <laughs> in it. I'm that's mine. James, uh, a little gross, but I think it's practical. In the monopoly on our American style toilets, the Japanese toilets are a little bit cleaner. If you've been to Japan, you know what I mean. It's just a better it's a sanitation better show. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to go all reality shows. I'm going to piggyback on Ron, Ron but go further. Every single one of them. I'm, I'm signing those. That's I'm a absolutely good signing those. All right, Ron Gross, James Early, Seth Jason. Guys, we'll see you later in the show. Coming up next, best selling author and radio host Dave Ramsey on everything from business leadership to prenuptial agreements. Stay right here. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. I'm Chris Hill. My guest is the host of The Dave Ramsey Show, which is heard by millions every week on 500 radio stations across America. His latest book is Entre Leadership, 20 Years of Practical Business Wisdom from the Trenches. It debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Dave Ramsey, welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Well, I'm honored to be with you, Chris. Thank you for having me. So you've written best-selling books before uh, about how people can better handle their money. What made you want to write a book about business leadership? 
Well, I end up writing about my life one way or another. You know, I mean, when I went broke, I wrote about that. And then when I recovered, I wrote about that. And so, in a sense, these books are instructions from my stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, Entree Leadership, is it's our, our playbook. It's how we've grown our business from a card table in my living room over the last 20 years to now be a major national brand. We've got 315 team members, and for the last six years in a row, we've won best place to work in our hometown of Nashville. And so one of the richest things in my life right now is just the quality of my team, the quality of our leaders here, and just the joy of working here every day in this environment that that we've all created together. And I wanted to share with people how that could be done. Now, the book has tips that Anyone starting a business, anyone who owns a business, uh, can benefit from. I want to spot you up with a few of them and have you elaborate. Uh, and one of them uh, seems like one of those sort of nuts and bolts things that that just makes common sense, but is probably tough for business owners to execute. And that is, have sound financial principles. Just avoid debt and and have a plan to get rid of it. Well, just like in our personal lives, we do stupid things with money. Small businesses are sometimes their own worst enemy. And uh, what happens is, you know, in the, in the military, they teach you not to advance your army out past your supply lines. Because what happens is, of course, the, you know, you run out of bullets, food, and gas, and you get slaughtered. You know? so, and that's what happens in business, especially small business. We're very, very bad about you know, advancing our cause, our dream, past our money and or past our people power, our human resource. And so you've got to wait on the right people and wait on the money to come organically before you move the ship. Another tip you have is that people matter and business owners should super serve their customers. How, how do they do that without um, serving them to the point where they're no longer making a profit as a business? Well, profit is actually the result of having served them well. The way I equate it is this. I like going out to eat in a really nice restaurant with my wife on a date night. And, you know, most of the time when you do that, you get unbelievably fabulous service. And one of the joys is, as a customer, I love leaving a big tip when you get great service from a waiter or a waitress. It's just fun. And, you know, so really what it is, profit is just a tip that you got for serving well. Your customers don't mind you making a profit. Serving doesn't imply price. Serving implies that the people got loved on it. They got their lives changed, that they got, you know, they got some warm food. Whatever it is your business is, you serve them with the business. Price is independent of that. Another tip you have is that business owners should grow slow and steady. Yeah, I was meeting with a billionaire, which always amazes me. That's a thousand million. You know, that's a lot. And, and I was asking this guy, he's 72 years old, he's got a very successful business. And I said, what is what is one of your keys to success? You know, I always ask people that are smarter than me and bigger than me what their best practices are, right? And he says, oh, I read this book, The Tortoise and the Hare. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha. And he goes, no, Dave, we live in a whole culture full of hares. The whole place is ADD. It, you, you will stand out in business. You will stand out in life if you are willing to be the crockpot amongst a bunch of microwaves. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. My guest is Dave Ramsey. His latest book is Entre Leadership. It's number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Um, Dave, you've had the chance to meet with business leaders, study them from afar. What I'm curious, what in terms of leadership attributes. What's an attribute that you think is overrated in business leaders and one that's underrated? 
uh, overrated is just raw intelligence and talent. Uh, I meet people with raw intelligence and talent all the time who don't know how to play well with others, and they'll shine for a while, but you know, you know nobody wants to play with them. Their relational <laughs> IQ is zero. You know, and and they forgot those kindergarten rules that we learned from a great book a few years ago, and, and you know, you, you just you, they don't play well with others, and, and I think we've overrated where you go to school or what degree you've got or what your, in, you know, your raw intelligence is, and we've and probably then the the transverse of that is we have underrated re- your relational IQ, and I think the other thing that's underrated. And I see it in the marketplace all the time as a primary correlation to success is extreme levels of integrity. This idea that people win in business that don't have fanatical levels of integrity Mm -hmm. is really a false thing. They can win for a while, but the people that stick around are those that, man, you can just count on them. What is one thing that you know now about running a business that you wish you knew? when you were starting out to take more time hiring <laughs> really oh man i would just i was just so entrepreneurial and so go 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 and i still am that i just thought everybody was like me and if if they came in and said they wanted a job that meant they wanted to work oh how dumb was i <laughs> you know and so we pretty much used the the mirror test if they fog up a mirror we'd hire them you know and oh <laughs> lord we had so much drama Oh, we got, we had we had crazies all in the building, and, and now we take so much time. It takes uh, sixty to ninety days and an average of seven to ten interviews to get hired with us. We really get to know you to make sure you are relationally, culturally, value system, talent, everything we need, and that we're everything you need. So, in turn, I mean, I know you have a lot of tips in the books, but I mean, is that is that sort of one of the uh, the biggest red flags for business owners? Just how they hire business in general. I, I we have commoditized the human resource, meaning that we look at humans as units of production, and, and they are not. They are not. They come with so much more than that, and, and they and they also bring baggage too sometimes. And most times, as a matter of fact, most of us have that. So, um, you know, we, we cannot commoditize a human being as a unit of production. We'll just get them in here. They'll do the work and they make us more than they cost us. And that's it. They're, you know, they're a human widget. No, it just doesn't work that way. Not if you want to get to the end of your life and, and have this sense of, wow, that was fun. You're listening to Motley Fool Money, talking with Dave Ramsey. His new book is Entre Leadership. Uh, Dave, at the Motley Fool, we focus on publicly traded companies that people can you know, invest in, take stock in. Um, in terms of public companies, I'm curious, what, what are like two or three that you really admire the way that they've done business, um, companies that you think people can learn from if they want to sort of start their own business? Well, this is certainly not an endorsement of stock because I absolutely have no idea about their <laughs> stock. Um, and, and so let me preface that with that caveat. I just watch the way they interact and sometimes admire their marketing or admire some of the leadership moves that they've made and, and just the way they have grown and served and the atmosphere, the culture that is around some of these companies. And I, I don't think there's anyone out there that isn't a little bit impressed with Apple. I mean, uh, the creativity of that place. And anytime in the middle of a recession, you can get people to line up around the block to buy your stuff. You're a good marketer. 
and, and you know those guys are are pretty incredible i'm not much of a consumer of their products i've got a few of their things certainly we've got them all in this building here with this young crew i've got but th- that's a pretty impressive bunch of people uh the the google folks uh the zappo folks uh zappos is um you know, both of those cultures are very interesting to study and, and how intentional they are about putting their teams together uh, to create culture that, that matches. And, and so they're not having to do things three times and, and they just stick through it. So, you know, th- those are two that just jump out at me all the time. I want to spot you up with a few business leaders and sort of get your thoughts on them and, and maybe some lessons that we can learn from them. Uh, and I'll start with. Uh, the CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett. Well, the the thing I think most of us love about Warren Buffett is not only his success and his, uh, we can look at how he's won, and you know that's always a precursor to taking advice from somebody in a given subject. But I think the thing I love about him is just the homespun wisdom. I love those grandma's one-liners <laughs> that he drops in. And, um, you know, stuff like, you, you know, when the tide goes out, you can tell who was skinny dipping. I just love lines like that, you know, and, and because there's so much truth woven into them. And, and it indicates that in the midst of his sophistication, he also has a tremendous amount of common sense. What about Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz? He appears to be, and I don't know Howard, I don't know Warren either, but <laughs> appears to be, from the outside looking in, a master at culture. He seems to be, uh, the culture of the Starbucks organization is, I think, what ensures its consistency and what ensures its uh, predictability from branding and so forth for the consumer. And uh, I don't know if you could put enough rules and enough processes and enough bureaucratic crap in place to get that kind of consistency. I don't think it'd be possible. It would be infinite. And so instead, they rely, they appear to rely on this shared values that he seems to do a masterful job of, of, you know, pushing through the whole organization. And what about Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos? The only thing I can, on all of these guys, again, I hesitate to really judge somebody because I don't know them personally, but uh, looking in from the outside, uh, man, that that place is fast moving. Uh, You know, change is a way of life. Uh, You are riding the tiger, you better hold on to its ears. I mean, they are... They are moving all the time. We interact with them a lot, of course, in publishing and uh, with all of our product line and so forth. And, and as big as they are, they still uh, seem to be constantly changing something. And, and most of that is good. Uh, certainly that much change just keeps even the customers in whiplash mode sometimes. But uh, they have they have literally created an industry. And, and wow, how many CEOs, how many leaders can say that? You're listening to Motley Fool Money. My guest is Dave Ramsey, best-selling author, and his latest book is Entre Leadership, 20 Years of Practical Business Wisdom from the Trenches. Clark Howard uh, was a guest on our show uh, a little while ago, and uh, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. (laughs) He's awesome. Which is, if you and Clark Howard (laughs) and Susie Orman go out to dinner, who's picking up the tab? Oh, definitely me. Why is that? We, we know it's not going to be Clark. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, Clark said he would pick up the tab, but he said that 
um, he would uh, um, he imagined this uh, scenario where you're you're all in New York City. He picks an affordable restaurant that he has a coupon for. So oh. that, that's that's the scenario where he picks up oh, the tab. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. If we can figure out some way he gets to be cheap and pick up the tab, <laughs> I'm not sure I want to eat with him if that's the case. But <laughs> I don't know Susie as well as I know Clark's. I don't. I, I'm sure she's generous and kind. I'm sure she would jump in there. But I'm a Southern boy, so I have to pick up the tab for the lady. Duly noted. All right, we will wrap up with a round of buy, sell, or hold. Uh, this is uh, the Daily Deal Company going public. Buy, sell, or hold the future of Groupon. Hold. Why is that? Competition. Everybody and his brother's got another one. An ease of entry into the market. It scares me to death for them. Just 72 days after her wedding day, (laughs) Kim Kardashian filed for divorce. So buy, sell, or hold prenuptial agreements. Oh, oh, prenups. Um, In those cases, uh, buy... In, in normal people's lives, sell. <laughs> You're suggesting Kim Kardashian is not normal people? Uh, out loud. I said it out loud. <laughs> and finally, we have seen other business books hit the big screen. So buy, sell, or hold a movie version of Entree Leadership. Oh, sell. No, it's not a movie. No. <laughs> really? Not even close. You know, we, we had Michael Lewis in our office a few weeks ago. He didn't think Moneyball would be a movie. And then, you know, look what happened. <laughs> Well, the story of Moneyball is, yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think my life is movie material. If I it, could, if I could get your your wife uh, on the phone, uh, who who do you think she would cast to play you? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. That <laughs> I don't even know enough stars' names to think of that. <laughs> The book is Entree Leadership, 20 Years of Practical Business Wisdom from the Trenches, number one bestseller on the New York Times list. Go out and get a copy if you haven't already. Dave Ramsey, thanks so much for being here. Chris, it's an honor to be with you again. Thank you for having me, sir. Coming up, we'll give you an inside look at the stocks on our radar. This is Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill, and back in the studio with me, Seth Jason, James Early, and Ron Gross. Guys, time for the stocks that are on our radar, and we will bring our man Steve Broido in from the other side of the glass. Steve, are you ready? I'm the- ready to go. All right, Ron Gross, what is your stock this week? Going back to the well on Horsehead Holdings, ticker symbol Zinc, Z-I-N-C, small cap producer of Zinc products. Stock's getting smacked today on disappointing earnings. It is a cyclical pay play. It is reliant on zinc prices. They've got hedges in place, selling at a discounted tangible book value, still profitable. It looks really cheap to me. Steve, a question for Ron. Sir, what's the appropriate amount of zinc in a multivitamin? <laughs> <laughs> 10 milligrams per day should do you just right. Yeah. Or, I wanted to hear. Thank or you. Or kill you. <laughs> is that true? You just made that up. I just made that so up. Some guy Please. could be dying. Yeah, let's, let, let's do a disclaimer on that. <laughs> turn green or something. James Chris, Early, I'm son? going with TAL International. The ticker is TAL. Uh, this is a global container company that makes shipping containers. It has a 7.5% yield, which has been growing nicely, and that's what wow. caught my eye. It I is like a that. cyclical company. It's highly levered, but it has shown some fantastic ROE growth, fantastic dividend growth. And you might think, what kind of idiot recommends or, or likes a stock like this going into a potential recession? But there's actually a very, very tight demand for these containers. So if they're doing this well now, I would hope that when things finally get better, they'll be doing even better. It's not a recommendation per se, but it's something on my radar. 
Steve, question for James. Sure. What is your take on uh, terrorism threats? There was a, a lot of discussion about these shipping containers yeah. being brought into ports and stuff like that. How might that it affect It is the Wild business? West. I don't know that, that it'll affect the business that much, but it's more something that would just affect our country. We do a poor, we screen people when they go through things. We don't screen baggage very well. We don't screen imports uh, very well at all. So that's something we need to work on as a country. But that's aside from this wreck, obviously. Okay. Thanks for making us all more scared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Seth Jason, your stock this week. We'll just go back to the Aeropost stall. It bounced uh, this week on that uh, less than terrible news, but I think it has a long way to go. As Ron said, they sell stuff at a lower price point in a tight economy that can be helpful. They also have much smaller stores than those competitors, so their cost structure is a little bit different. So if and when, I think it'll be when, they get those uh, sales turned around, the uh, profit margins will move up much more quickly. All right, Steve, a question? ARO is the ticker. Sure. How old is too old for me to be wearing Aeropostal? Yeah, I can't even go in the store to do any research because I just feel dirty standing research. here in the store. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to say, when I drop my daughter off at middle school, there's a lot of Aeropostale uh, on the campus there. So, um, twelve and under, fourteen and under. I'm uh, whatever it yeah. is. I mean, let's not me. Let's face Depends it, Steve. On the item. You're well past yeah. both those numbers. <laughs> yeah, if it's short shorts you're looking for, Steve, the age is does, doesn't matter. What about a jean vest? Um, uh, in the t- <laughs> that sounds really impure. Um, in the time we have left, uh, something such as that you're working on in Hidden Gems next oh, week. Oh, man. More Can earnings? Just more earnings. More earnings. I'm actually very interested in what's going on in the RV market right now. Winnebago is one of our picks, mm-hmm. and uh, so is uh, Drew Industries, which makes stuff for RVs. And Drew said that uh, things weren't so bad in that market. So really? Very interesting. All right. James Early. Working on my recommendation for, for my next issue, which is a lot of work, but... Hopefully it's worth it. Can you give us a hint on what it is? You don't have to. I, I yeah. can't give you a hint oh, yeah. because I have More no videos? hint myself. I have no hint myself. Will it be a video? You know, of I it? still have not done that video, <laughs> and, and and you're making me feel bad, but I really have to do it. So sorry, guys. But if you are looking for video, I will put in another shameless plug for FoolTV.com, where you can see people like Ron waving at the camera. Uh, Ron Gross, uh, something you're working on. Have I mentioned that Million Dollar Portfolio is open now for the first time in one year, only you, f- only five or you, six more days, and we are working very hard on greeting new members as they come in the door and setting them up with a plan to catch them up to our charter portfolio and get them invested. If you're interested, mdp.fool.com. Not going to do it. Have you not seen Billy Mays? <laughs> On the TV later, died. Like, I believe. You can't, died, I know, yeah, but they still yeah. write. You can't sell something that way. How about a little enthusiasm? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I mean, can we get? I mean, <laughs> I want to see the passion, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the, to to James's point about the video. I mean, if James is going to, what's the? That video I make money. Doing? I don't make topic, noise. FAS one five seven dash nine. Right. Yeah. So I mean, when when James finally does his accounting video, I mean, he's yeah. just going to yeah, sell I'm the heck out fire, of that. Man. Thing. No, As I'm, I say, I make money. I don't make noise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ron Gross, James Early, Seth Jason. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Thank you to our guest this week, Dave Ramsey. The new book is Entre Leadership, 20 Years of Practical Business Wisdom from the Trenches, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list. So pick up a copy if you haven't already. You can also check out our daily podcast, Market Foolery. And again, more coverage of our radio show and our daily podcast videos to be seen at FoolTV.com. Our engineer is Steve Broido. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.